Welcome to the Advisor Talk podcast channel. This is Nick Stewart, CEO and Financial Advisor at Stewart Group. If you're new to the show, Stewart Group is a CFEX certified financial planning and advisory firm serving clients throughout New Zealand with offices in Hawke's Bay and Wellington. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge. How you going, Nick? Pretty good. Great to be here with you. Good to have you here with us. And uh, before we get on to today's topics, which are many and varied, just remind the listeners, Nick, Stuart Group, what are you guys all about? We're all things investment and financial planning. Mm-hmm. So we you know, help people out with saving their Australian um, pension, transferring it back to New Zealand, repatriation. We help people with uh, knowing that they can achieve their goals and objectives in their life into the future. Yeah, we're just all things financial planning. All right, now, today we're going to talk about, uh, well, I guess the state of the economy. Mm. Where, where do we start? Would you want to speak locally or nationally? Well, let's, yeah, let's, let's speak locally <laughs> first. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, um, look, what a, what a week. Yeah. Wow. Who would have thought? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I can remember, not last weekend, the weekend prior, I was at Lake Taupo. We were having a lot of fun, and we knew, you know, we knew there was a bit of rain coming on the, on the Sunday night, so yeah. we tootled on back over the hill. And and it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and then of course, the rest is history. Oh, but in that windstorm, mm. phenomenal that night. Yeah. Um, and then and then here we are, and we've had, um, you know, um, some deaths in the community. Uh, people have lost their homes, their livelihoods, uh, and the great rebuild shall commence. It shall. What, what's it done to the economy? I mean, we, we can only sort of uh, we can only begin to imagine. Yeah. But I mean, you are at the, at the at the coal face of the financial market, from your point of view, uh, how, how devastating is it in the short and long term? Oh, the short term, it's extremely painful. It's difficult to get metrics for GDP, gross mm. domestic product, at a regional level. It's not that easy. So it's difficult for us to actually obtain numbers, and they always are late anyway. They come out months later. Mm. But the fact that you've got people last week, you know, businesses had no power. Mm. That means people are gainfully unemployed. Mm-hmm. And then we've got, you know, we were just coming into uh, the harvesting of our beautiful crops. Mm. You know, we've been driving around for a month and there's just trees laden with fruit all ripening in the sun. You know, there was a good bit of colour starting to come through because we've had a, it's been a bloody, we've had a Scottish summer. Yes, we have. And, um, but the fruit was starting to ripen. We'd had, some, had a good weather pattern, of course, that's gone. Bola, we lost um, 65% of the produce was lost in um, 1988 with Bola. One would expect that will be a similar metric here, mm-hmm. given the fact that the two storms are being compared with one another. Yes. This one just more widespread and more damaging for infrastructure, but at a, at a crop level, similar to what happened in Gisborne, Tairawhiti, um back then. It was material, so yes, it will have an immediate uh, effect on GDP. Then there is the flow-on effect to all the businesses that support those particular sectors that have been hit really hard. So, for example, Ken, and I've been speaking to some people about this, mm-hmm. imagine that you just completed a whole lot of work for an orchardist last month, 
So through the month of January, you'd been working really, really hard, helping them out, and you submitted your invoice for the payment on the 20th of February. Mm -hmm. Well, dare I say it, I don't think you got paid a couple of days ago. No, I don't think you would have. And and the question you've got, and some of the businesses that I've spoken to in this area, they said, well, Nick, what should I do about it? And I said, well, you're just going to have to work with these people and hope they get through and they can pay you on the other side. Mm. But I, I said to them, there's no point rattling the cage really hard no. because they'll be on their knees. Unfortunately, you know, there will be people who capitulate and just say, hey, look, well, then I'll just close up shop yeah. and um, sue me. Whereas you're actually better that you actually work with the people and say, hey, look, don't worry about that account. We'll just hold it. Pay us when you can. Yeah. And we're really talking next year, aren't we? Yeah, we are. For, for, for those with a, a single seasonal crop, yes. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be extremely difficult. Or they have to realise some assets. The old classic, the you know, the um, off-farm asset. Mm. So something that hasn't been destroyed is sold. Now, you wrote a rather interesting article which has uh, gained uh, it's, it's gained repute all over the country. Yes, it has. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we wrote an article and it was titled Rebuilding Hawke's Bay's Economy. We released it to the NZ Herald for the Hawke's Bay Today for last weekend. And the NZ Herald, or NZ and me, um, published it online immediately mm. on the Herald and not behind the paywall. Mm. So it was yeah, it, it was spread wide and far. I was getting um, messages on uh, social media, you know, Facebook, Messenger, LinkedIn, emails, some from people I don't even know right. who just said, hey, thank you for putting that article together. And um, it was basically just kind of saying that, you know, this will be a seismic shock to our economy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did a whole lot of research and searched a whole lot of fix, facts and figures on Bowler uh, so that because it's a great reference point, even though Bowler was a lot smaller because Bowler affected Gisborne, the Tairawhiti area, mm-hmm. and it didn't really affect Hawke's Bay to the same mm-hmm. level. So that one there, and I've got a really cool quote, and I didn't put it in the article, but um, and it was from a, a guy, uh, Mr. Cave, an elderly gentleman who was a farmer up at Gisborne, and he said, basically the quote is, I was returning up the farm track, looking at the damage, when I saw a helicopter land in the front paddock, and out stepped Prime Minister David Longy. The guy said, Mr Cave said he was covered in mud from head to toe, but David Longy said, why don't you get on the helicopter and show me the damage? And so Longy back then, in March of 88, got a first-hand bird's eye view of the damage. And this guy took him over his farm and then over the neighbouring farms. And then three months later, in the hands of affected farmers and the community, the $112 million fiscal spend started. Mm -hmm. So it took them three months. Now, of that $112 million, which is $268 million in today's money, so think quarter of a billion Mm -hmm. For the little region of Gisborne, whereas this one, this is the whole of Hawke's Bay this time. But back then, of that 112 million, 50 million was just for farmers. And, for example, that gentleman that was interviewed, the helicopter example, he received $40,750 was his direct payment, and that got him through. Mm. It meant he didn't go broke. He was able to repair his fences. I look after the livestock, get some replacements in, clear the culverts, get the drains done, and he was away again. The reason we talked about, the reason I talked about it in that article was that we've done this before. Yep. So we've currently got the sixth Labour government. That was the fourth Labour government. They were able to do it then. We can do it now. And this time, it shouldn't take three months. We should be able to get it out much quicker. 
Well, it should be happening as quickly as uh, the COVID response. Uh, well, yes. Now, yeah, I'm rather surprised that we haven't seen a COVID-style wage subsidy mm. come in very, very quickly. The effect of this occurred last Tuesday morning when people uh, woke up and the flooding really started and we had we had no power. Mm-hmm. We're over, what are we, coming up to uh, 10 days on now. Yep. And there's been nothing at a consumer level. The COVID wage subsidies that everyone knows so well was actually built by the former national government after the Canterbury earthquakes. Mm. So we know that the revenue department can do effectively like a reverse tax payment at a a regional level because they did that in Canterbury through the wage subsidy program. And I'm just really surprised that hasn't happened this time because these businesses, I made the example before about a horticulture person probably couldn't pay their bill on the 20th because it'd be in shell shock anyway, and they did, probably didn't have any power to yeah. bloody boot the computer That's up. Right. If, yeah, whereas this one, what's going to happen this week, Ken, with payroll? Yeah. How are people going to pay their wages? Absolutely and when not. you don't pay people's wages, then they, well, you know what happens yeah. then. That's right. It's yeah. a flow-on effect, isn't it? Uh, very much so, and fast. Yeah. I wonder there were, um, I read the article and uh, yeah. I agree with it 100%, but I wonder, is it almost like a, a them and us scenario that we're looking at? Because, you know, when COVID hit, it hit the whole of New Zealand. And probably when Bola hit back then, we were not, I'm not, what's the word? I'm not saying selfish back then, but um, we weren't as selfish perhaps. But Because what I see uh, in, in your article is that, you know, you're saying, uh, well, do we really need to spend all those millions of dollars on light rail? And I was watching Parliament yesterday, and uh, you know, the Prime Minister put forward an argument which, you know, we need light rail. We need light rail in Auckland, and we need uh, to advance a lot of these policies. And and you couldn't argue with them because we do need to do that. But uh, so, what are we saying? Stop the spend immediately and put that money into this environment because it's not going to happen, is it? Well, I think any fair and reasonable Kiwi who wants a fair suck on the save would say, why would you build? a gold-plated train set mm-hmm. in Auckland when the roading infrastructure works and the current uh, railway system is functioning, when a region is now cut off and doesn't have anything. So in other words, you cannot get in a car and drive to Gisborne. You cannot train or you cannot put anything on the railway line and send it to Gisborne. You can't even send it south to Napier because of bloody train tracks. Yeah, it's in the water. Yes. So look... I think most fair and reasonable people would say, look, don't build something new when the existing system is broken. Sure. And, I mean, at the moment, we've got it where we don't know when State Highway 5, a major arterial mm. route from Hawke's Bay through to the Bay of Plenty Waikato, don't even have a time frame on when that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that. so you sit there and you go, we just need to make it happen. That's right. And if there is a limited amount of resource, then you have to reallocate what you're going to spend from one area into another. I mean, that's, since Adam was a boy, that's what governments and people have had to do. That's just the way that it is. So we either redirect spending that was earmarked for another project, or we have to... This, so there's three things. You could redirect the existing expenditure. You could raise more capital in the form of taxation on mm-hmm. the populace. The third, of course, is you borrow. So when you think about we have had eight bridges damaged, four bridges are gone, <laughs> and four are damaged but are unusable at the moment, but they could be repaired. Many of those bridges were built by in the era of our grandparents. Mm. So they've lasted a very, very long time. So why wouldn't one borrow long? So the government raises yeah. some debt on the international markets, sells some bonds, and uses that to build a bridge. Well, now it's going to be a series of many bridges. 
that our great-great-grandchildren will hopefully enjoy so long as there isn't another seismic event of this nature that we've just had. Yeah. Why do you think the government aren't coming out and saying exactly what you've just said? Because it is a no-brainer. The average thinking man is, is sitting right here now listening to this program saying, yeah, that is 100% on the button. We need to get that money regardless of what it costs. Why, why aren't they doing that? Well, I think the government's been, well, effectively, this event, I mean, they're human beings just like us. Mm-hmm. They are shell-shocked as much as we are by the devastation. They're probably a couple of days behind the emotional roller coaster yeah. ride because they're actually not here, whereas we were living it. Yeah. Um, but they're certainly now getting to see um, the size of the devastation and mm-hmm. the problem. And, of course, sadly, the... Uh, the death toll but it just takes a little bit of time to get the government machine up and running and functioning just as the same happened in canterbury sure. you know in the, in the week and the two weeks after that it was a little slow and then it really started to gain yeah. some momentum and i expect no i'm not here to defend the government but no. i'm just saying such a unwieldy beast that is central government does take a little bit of time to get you know the kind of boots on the ground which leads me to another point that if we think back to the last time we saw an event like this, which was 1931, mm-hmm. that was a regionally-led rebuild with central government money. And I think it's really, really important that local people get to determine how we rebuild. So you engage with mm-hmm. local, local people who care. They don't just care with their wallet they care with their heart. So the key is that we need local engagement because then it will be much, much faster. If you think back to 1931 with Napier and some friends, um, Napierites, who, who have told me the history of that rebuild, five years later, it was rebuilt. Mm. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And they're so, they're so very proud of that fact, which is awesome. Well, we can do the same this time. We can do this. But all we need is we need central government support but let local people get on with rebuilding what we have or had locally. What do you think it's going to do for investment in Hawke's Bay? Because it's a slightly different disaster, isn't it? I mean, you know, in 1931, oh. all the buildings fell over yeah. and uh, we rebuilt I know. from the ground up. But, but we didn't lose so our crops and our yeah. livelihood like that. It was it affected the um, urban centres really, mm. really badly, but not the rural hinterland. Yeah. This one, this has just smacked everybody. Does like, it, it's tough. Does it change the face of how we do things moving forward that, you know, some of those orchards that flooded, for instance, or those houses that went yes. underwater? Do we say, um, you know, for someone investing in Hawke's Bay, so, well, would I want to put my money back into those particular paddocks, or do we go somewhere else? Well, um, Ken, at a price, there's always a buyer. Mm. Uh, even if that price is a dollar, mm. someone will come in and put shoulder to the wheel, and they may, there may be an alternative use for that particular piece of dirt or now dirt covered in silt. Yeah. But there always is. Um, human beings are human beings are incredible at innovation. As I keep using that thing, put shoulder to the wheel and they make it happen. Yeah. But in terms of like what will and you just touched on it for a second, and that was, you know, what will the rebuild look like or what will the growth be like ahead? Mm. Today's Thursday. So in an interview this morning um, with Mike Hosking, um, the central bank governor, Adrian Orr, made the comment that after this event, whilst this is negative, they have factored that the nation, the national GDP will lift by 1% mm. as a result of the rebuild. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a lot. When you think that, and I've got some figures here, that the GDP of this region, Tairawhiti and Hawke's Bay, is 3.5% of New Zealand's entire GDP. It is tiny. Mm. And if that tiny amount 
can lift the needle for the entire country by 1% of GDP, I think, Ken, you know where I'm going on this, that the GDP growth or the forward-looking expected growth rate of this region as a result of the money that's going to be spent, money in the form of government support, money in the form of insurance payments, and money in the form of fresh investment capital coming in is going to be something that you and I could not even imagine nor fathom. It's going to be a monster. Do you think that was wise for the Reserve Bank to increase the uh, interest rate by 50 points at this time? (laughs) Um, For you and I sitting here um, in Hawke's Bay, the answer is no, Mm. because we're on our knees and we've just been given (laughs) an interest rate hike. Um, So no, it feels grossly unfair, but they need to look through this event and they need to look at their remit or, you know, how they, what is the Reserve Bank there to do? Well, Mm. they're there. One of their major roles is to contain inflation. And on that basis, that's why they increase the interest rate by 50 basis points or 0.5 of a percent. Unlike the Federal Reserve Bank, we do not get a copy of all of the transcript, all of the notes that happen at the Reserve Bank, okay? The meeting. We don't get those. So we don't know all the subtle nuances, all those discussions. But I mean, hypothetically, had the cyclone not come through, we might have had a 75 basis point lift, and we only had a 50. Um, But look, that's cold comfort to someone who has a mortgage they need to pay on a house that's now red-stickered. What do you think is going to happen to, uh, not necessarily just local investors, but uh, uh, investors right across New Zealand in in many markets? Because, you know, I'm almost feeling like a survivor guilt because you know, not much happened to me. I've got a little bit of water around my place, but you know, yes. I don't ever recall feeling this, not saying depressed, but this flat in my whole life. You know, I just yeah. think that I'm lucky sitting here and I look at what's happening down Parkawai Road and all around the yes. rest of the environment. I think the last thing I'm going to think about is, you know, what am I going to do with my, my $100 I got in the bank? Yes. Is, it, is that going to affect the markets? No, I don't think it'll affect the markets. So there are so many players in the market that are not affected. Capital doesn't have emotion, Ken. No. It's a heartless beast on mm. that basis. It, w- it will move. But in terms of that guilt factor, you're not the first person that's talked about that and the fact that they yeah, they do feel that way. And that's why I think you've seen among, uh, across our community so many wonderful people who've given mm. a huge amount of time. Other people have given a huge amount of uh, resource, either in time, money, or goods. You have some beautiful souls out there that have done a huge amount of work and will continue to do so. There is a little bit of that. Or what, I don't know what the behavioural term would be um, or psychological term. Would that be like a um, survivorship? Yeah. Um, yeah, the survivorship guild. Just about out of time. I just wonder, as an astute financial yes. political commentator that you are, what would your suggestion be to uh, both local and national governments? What have they got to do to get us out of this? They need to develop a, develop and articulate a clear plan on what will happen for the region and, again, to allow local people to choose the direction of travel. That's how you win hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. It's got to be locally driven but supported very, very well by uh, by the government. And the other thing is... And I would just encourage them that they really, really need to get some fiscal, some um, yeah. monetary support out very, very soon to businesses because there'll be a lot of people that were hoping to be paid on the 20th and that weren't. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of people that are hoping for their paycheck at the, at the end of the month. And without that government support, dare I say it, some people will not yeah. be paid. So literally like COVID, the government's got to stand up and say, we're going to put $20 billion into this. 
Yeah, um, I don't think we'll get 20. Uh, the figure that I'd heard in terms of the damage was something like 13.2 mm-hmm. billion. That was back of a napkin, these numbers. Because, yeah, I, I mean, we can't even tell I, I can't even tell you how many red stickered houses there are. No. I mean, we've got an idea. They only released the first lot to the market or the, the numbers mm. yesterday. There'll be hundreds more coming. Mm. So it's early days, but we're talking about around a $13 billion hit to the mm. economy. What will the fiscal spend be like? Well, I told you Bowler for the little today for the mm. Gisborne region was $112 billion, 268 in today's terms. That was 1988. Our economy's huge mm. in comparison to then. So what will the number look like? I just say it's going to be many billions of dollars. And if you also go back to Bowler, the infrastructure damage was light. We lost a bridge. Mm. Uh, we lost some roading. But this is massive. Mm, we've lost a huge amount. And we've also found that things like telecommunications mm. and fibre network has found to have failed and not supported us and not been able to run efficiently and properly as we all had hoped and expected during this period. So that's why I say the fiscal envelope, to use the old um, treaty settlement, mm-hmm. the old, what was it? Oh, I can't remember the minister who termed that. But the fiscal envelope for this one is going to be big. Yep. Um, for one, I need sound financial advice nick where do we come you can come and see us at 204 academy road in hastings that's the black basalt stone building with the tartan logo or you can come and see us on the terrace in wellington (laughs) 